0: Hello, and thank you for turning on this podcast. The sermon you're about to hear was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Meadow Vista, California. We are part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and we are a Reconciling in Christ congregation. If you'd like to find out more about our community of faith, visit faithmv.net. Thank you for listening. May it be a blessing to your day. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel according to Mark, the 8th chapter Verses 31 to 38. Then Jesus began to teach them that the promised one had to suffer much, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and religious scholars, be put to death, and rise again three days later. Jesus said these things quite openly. Peter then took him aside and began to take issue with him. At this, Jesus turned around and, eyeing the disciples, reprimanded Peter. Get out of my sight, you Satan. You are judging by human standards rather than by God's. Jesus summoned the crowd and the disciples and said, If you wish to come after me, you must deny your very self, take up your cross, and follow in my footsteps. If you would save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. What would you gain if you were to win the whole world but lose yourself in the process? What can you offer in exchange for your soul? Whoever in this faithless and corrupt generation is ashamed of me and my words will find, in turn, that the promised one and the holy angels will be ashamed of that person when all stand before our God in glory. Holy wisdom, holy word. So, do you remember last week's sermon? Uh, okay (laughs) it was really short it was it's time God is here repent and believe okay it's time God is here repent believe hold on to that because we're going to keep visiting that throughout the rest of Lent it's time God is here repent believe Today, it's time. Time for what? Well, obviously, to repent and believe. <laughs> but Jesus has expanded that a little bit for us. Jesus calls us to more. It's time to let go. So that we can pick up. It's time to die. So that we might live. Easy to say. Catchy little phrases. Not so easy to do. Typically our response is to fight. It's the topic actually of the first lie in scripture. We go back to Genesis again. Adam and Eve. The Garden of Eden. Important instructions. Right? God says... You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent says to the woman, Oh no, you won't die. Not only will you not die, you'll become like God. First lie, you will not die. That's all it took. The assurance that death can be avoided. It's an ancient, ancient instinct to live without consequence, to do what we want and not worry about what will happen afterwards. The tempter in the garden said, you will not die and you will become like God. Jesus tells us the very opposite. You must die if you want become like God or at least draw closer to God obviously we're not going to become God don't want to break that first commandment but Jesus says you must die now I just want to take a time out to make sure we're all on the same page I've been thinking a lot this week about physical death if you don't know we had a little workshop yesterday about physical death it's a great workshop but that's been on my mind a lot And I want to be clear, I think Jesus is talking about two kinds of death. He's talking about physical death, but he's also talking about the death of ego, the death of self. He says that. You must die to yourself. When I say it's time to die, I want to be just very clear that I'm speaking of the death of self. I do not want anyone to leave this morning with the idea that there's this weird self-destructive instruction coming from Pastor Charlene. I'm talking about the death of your ego, the death of your will, to be honest. What I mean is that dying to ourselves is about letting go. It's about letting go of all that's going to hold us back from truly following Jesus. Letting go of our fear, our bias, our assumptions, our worries. And letting go of that one thing that we all love. Control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Letting go of our desire to be in control all the time. Letting go of that notion that we are, in fact, the center of the universe. Because guess what? We're not. But letting go is super difficult. To be honest, most of us only let go when we are forced to. I think that's why we struggle to deal with loss so much when it comes to us. And it's just not loss of people we love. I'm talking about loss of anything that matters to us. Our jobs, our I don't know, our dreams, our hopes, loss of anything that is important. And to be honest, sometimes we don't even want to let go of the things we don't like. (laughs) Like there's things about us that we wish we could change, and yet we want to keep being that way. I don't know why. We just do it, because that's where we find our identity, right? I am this kind of person, and I don't care what you think about it. It's who I am. Uh, okay, we want to grasp it with all of our might, the things we love, the things we don't love, and we just want to hold on. My favorite term these days, I think Cam might have started me thinking about this term. She's very good with words. She talks about holding things lightly. It's now become my motto. I'm going to hold things lightly. I'm going to keep grasping at it. I'm going to hold it lightly so that when I need to let it go, I can. But here's the thing. When we refuse to let go of things, Jesus tells us to pick up our cross. I don't know about you, but if, my, if I'm full holding everything else, I have nothing left to pick up with. Part of our Lenten reflection is to consider the cross. What does it mean for us and for the world? How are we to take it up as Jesus commands us to do? And I just want to talk about popular uh, um, interpretation of this phrase. Oftentimes people will take pick up your cross and turn it into, that's my cross to bear. Not the same. Not what Jesus means. Your cross to bear is a passive victim stance about suffering that you may or may not be able to control. Jesus is asking you to be active and intentional. Pick up your cross. Pick up that which needs to be picked up so that you can live the life that I am calling you to. Picking up our cross is an intentional movement towards the kingdom of God. It is directed action of the heart and of our souls and of our minds to focus on the things of God. A couple weeks ago I talked about the cross. I referenced actually this very passage. It was Transfiguration Sunday because right after this event we have transfiguration Sunday or the transfiguration event but I'm not going to ask you to tell me what I said I'll just give you a little brief reminder (laughs) when Jesus's followers heard Jesus say pick up your cross they did not think of it the way we think of it when we hear the word cross we think of things like this jewelry things we decorate on Easter morning with flowers to celebrate the resurrection we think about Jesus dying on it but it's It's kind of a sanitized understanding of the cross. Jesus' disciples did not have that. They knew the cross to be an instrument of torture and death that their oppressors used to kill people. So when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he says nothing less than take up the instrument on which you are going to suffer and die and come along. is not an easy invitation. It's not something you can sort of respond to. I got to thinking about that. Can you sort of pick up your cross? So I had this vision of a cross kind of like attached to our leg that we're kind of dragging along behind us. But it keeps getting clogged up because we're trying to let stuff go, but that cross beam just keeps bringing along with us. And so you have to stop every once in a while and clean off your cross so you can keep going. So I'm not sure that partial picking up works. I think you actually have to pick up your cross. It's all in, baby. All in. But again, what does that mean? What does it mean to take up our cross as Jesus commands? And I think the answer comes in the rest of what Jesus says today. You must deny your very self. If you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. I think perhaps the easiest way to think about that is what we say every week. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not our will but God's will. It's all part of letting go, right? Actually, I think it's the very first step in letting go. Let go of your self-centered, egotistical, privileged ways. Actually, don't just let them go. Let them die. This is the die part. Let them die. Remember that God is God, we are not. And we must let die the belief that our ways are the only ways. That our ways are the best ways. We must die to the things that keep us from real deep relationship with God and with our world. We must let die our human standards so that the mind of Christ might be our mind. That we might be guided by the divine, rather than trying to uh, to be the guiders of the divine. Interesting fact: Did you know that Satan, S-A-T-A-N, is not a proper name? It is the Hebrew word for tempter, and traditionally it should be pronounced satan. In Popular culture; it's become to be a proper name of of the ultimate evil. Jesus was not calling Peter a, an evil spirit. Jesus was calling Peter a tempter, an adversary, someone who's working against what needs to happen. Remember, we could call the snake in the garden Satan, the Satan, because the Satan there is working against the ways of God. Tempting Adam and Eve away from the truth. Jesus calls Peter Satan because Peter is trying to encourage Jesus not to take up his cross. Because Peter's thinking about things from a human point of view. Peter doesn't want to lose Jesus. Peter doesn't want to let go. Peter does not want death to come. Just like us. He doesn't want to hear Jesus talk about dying. And so Peter tries to keep Jesus away from the path that is surely going to lead that way. I think we all can relate in some way, not that we go around calling other people or things Satan. I mean, if you come talk to me if you start doing that. Um, but I think we are surrounded by things and people that tempt us hold on to things we shouldn't be holding on to. That tempt us to seek life before death when we know that death has to come first. That is the way of the resurrection. Death has to come first. Some days it seems like an easy thing to follow Jesus and sometimes it feels like it would be much easier to follow our own inner voice that is calling us to the simple path and quick fix but do not despair you are not alone as one writer uh, wrote it these are ideas that are meant to be wrestled with this is not a you got it fixed today you're good to go (laughs) this is a oh yeah I gotta keep working on this every day but that is the good news of Jesus because these are instructions for a lifetime a lifetime that begins now a lifetime that gets to start over tomorrow because we're probably going to mess it up later today. Indeed, yeah. But this is our time. It is time. It is our time to commit to the way of Jesus. It is our time. It is our opportunity to keep trying to be part of of the kingdom of God that is leading us towards new life each day. Amen. 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 Did everybody get a paper with a leaf on it today? No. Okay. We got to have some leaves put in hands. I think they're coming to you. Last week we did birds for wild geese. This week we had leaves. We're out. Oh, yes! that's amazing. We have too many people here. Awesome. Come back. We'll make more next week, I promise. You know what? If you don't have a leaf, take a piece of paper out of your pew right on that. You can even draw your own leaf. You could really go to town with the artwork today. On this piece of paper, before you, feel free to doodle, to color, to whatever you want to do, including writing down what you might need to be letting go of to follow Jesus. Additionally, the worship team has been in conversation, and we encourage you to use spiritual practices to help in letting go, one of which is using our labyrinth out there. If you've never walked a labyrinth, Lent is a great time to try it. It's um, an easy walk. It's flat. You just turn a lot of corners. But the good news is there's only one way in and there's only one way out, so you never get lost. And one thing you can do during Lent, as we talk about letting go, is every time you turn a corner on the labyrinth, name one thing that you're letting go or name the same thing every time you turn a corner maybe it's a big thing it's going to take a lot of corners to let it go but it's a great practice it's a great way to think about this you walk it slow right owen you walk the labyrinth slow huh yeah (laughs) it makes him crazy when i ask the confirmants to walk the labyrinth that i make them walk slow anyway walk it slow And then when you come back out of the labyrinth, you can practice what we did last week, which was name the things for which you are grateful or things that you want to bring into your life as you take up the cross of Christ. Today our poem is called In Blackwater Woods. I invite you to listen to it and then take some time for contemplation and writing. There's no hurry. Barbara's going to turn this mic on for us.
1: Look, the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light, are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss whose other side is salvation whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes to let it go, to let it go.